0: Welcome, heathens and witches, to the Horn and Cauldron podcast. podcast. Yeah, we're back at it again. I'm John Norgrove. This is Julie Norgrove, and uh, welcome back to our weekly witchy podcast. It has, in fact, been a while, uh, but that's because it was the holidays. Yeah, so we, we little, were doing food.
1: Yeah, nice little break for uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah,
0: we were doing food. We were doing food comas the holiday, where you just like eat food and then black out. <laughs>
1: Yeah, for a little yeah, bit. yeah. We cooked not only a whole Thanksgiving dinner, uh, but also a whole ham dinner. So we had a lot of leftovers, and I don't have any regrets.
0: It was delicious. It was fantastic. <clears throat> yeah. Um, what's your favorite Thanksgiving leftover? That's the end of the podcast. Go home. da 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 No, that's not what we're talking about today, although it could be. What's up? But uh, <laughs> yeah, so before we get started with today, um, I want to shout out our... Uh, anniversary that is coming yeah. up It's our three year our anniversary three year podcast anniversary po- podcast anniversary if podcast-iversary. you will yeah. and uh which you should and uh <laughs> yeah so that will be coming up this Sunday. If you're
1: listening to this when it comes out, so that's December third.
0: sure, yes, at or, three p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It is December third. Don't worry.
1: It is okay. Yeah,
0: I'm like. You looked at me and I was like, certain. I don't know now. I'll, I'll check while we're doing the podcast. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that'll be More live. You again. That'll be live on YouTube. So youtubecom NerdJive. However, stuff just YouTube NerdJive. You're an adult. I trust you um but uh and yeah so we'll be live on youtube just answering questions and hanging out and i don't know how long this is going to be and i don't know what questions we're going to have because that's not how we do this oh heck i don't even know if i'm gonna remember exactly how to live stream so we get to figure that out minutes before we go live uh like i generally do
1: also talk about you know you know what's going on and our plans Yep, twenty twenty four plans for year four can you believe
0: Four years of this. Wait, four years? Yeah. Well, well, it would be three years of it this. And the fourth year this. is beginning.
1: Yeah, man. So Oof, that math.
0: Prepare your body for 104s, my dudes. It's gonna be sweet. It's gonna be sweet. Yeah. So yeah, that'll be that'll be fun. Come along and join us for that on uh again Sunday, December third at three p.m. Pacific specific time. And um Yeah, we're just gonna confuse people. Uh 3 p.m. PST. And uh yeah, we'll catch you guys there. So Moving along to the actual episode that you are here for, today we are talking about curses and hexes. No, try it again. Curses and hexes.
1: Nope, try it again.
0: No, that's 100% correct. <laughs> um, I was just seeing if it worked. We're talking about <clears throat> controversy in the witch space.
1: Yes. Yes, we are because curses yeah. and hexes are uh, a very controversial I, subject. I did not I'm already I'm community. already
0: learning a thing.
1: Are they controversial? Yes. Mm. And you're going to find out why. Uh, but first before we get into that uh we want to we want to say this for our uh 10 long-time listeners yeah. all 10 of you thank you. You're or 11 I think we might be up to now. Yeah. Um <laughs> what a great ROI 3 years 10 11 listeners. Yeah. Um, Sh- shout out we... if you're one of those
0: numbers. <laughs> just type a number in the, ch- just comment a number, any number, favorite number, least favorite number.
1: And we'll give you that number. You R- can be whatever that number is. Or
0: anything you want to do.
1: It's like a jersey. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I don't know how that works. I'm not a sporty
0: one. That's true. Uh,
1: So before we get into talking about curses and hexes, um, we are not here to gatekeep. Our longtime listeners can definitely attest to that. Uh, So if you're new here, welcome. Uh, We try to have this be a safe space to curiously and respectfully explore a lot of different topics within the pagan and witch and uh, heathen uh, spheres.
0: Yeah, spaces.
1: Alternative yeah. religions. Well,
0: as, as as well as an exploration <clears throat> of the history and like import and practices around those things. So like, and our
1: personal takes on things. Yeah, yeah.
0: but we're not. If you do a thing, that's you. You, you that's you. We're not here yeah. to judge that. You do you, dog.
1: Yeah. So if you choose to curse or not to curse, that's totally up to you. Yeah. And um, like the classic Shakespearean line:
0: "To curse or not to curse." That's entirely up to you.
1: Yeah, I'll give it to
0: you. Yeah, yeah. that's close enough. Old Billy Shake said that one time.
1: Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> so close, I can anyway, that. let's talk about curses and hexes. The whole idea about them being bad or giving you bad luck is actually not as deeply rooted in magical practice as you may think.
0: You you are you talking about the like if you do a curse then it's gonna come back to you like the yeah. like. Ah, I- I'm gonna be dead real with you. In my mind, that goes as far back as like, um, that witches, that three witches movie from the eighties, <laughs> where they like blow to light the candles, which is like the <clears throat> coolest effect ever. Um, oh, isn't
1: that practical magic? Practical magic. Yeah, uh, yeah. In
0: my mind, it goes like that far back and no further. A little um, further <laughs> back than that. Um... Because I feel like I've like I feel like I've read enough historical stuff. Where, where they're like, this thing happened and this curse was wrought upon the town and that witch just glided off into the night, dog. And you're like, okay, well, that seemed pretty effective. <laughs> cool, I guess. Sounds like her spell worked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: well, in actuality, the basic premise discour- discouraging curses goes back less than 100 years.
0: Mm, so... 39 years, 345 days. Uh, actually,
1: <laughs> we're just going to be talking about the late 20th century. You know, the late 1900s.
0: That's nice. It's delicious. I love that.
1: I love saying that. I
0: love. I love being born in the in the late 20th century. Yeah, I have I, so much scope on the world.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I love. Uh, I love that I've been around since the turn of the century. So <laughs>
0: long um, before the turn of the century, I remember going <laughs> to shopping malls.
1: So the idea uh, sort of behind this premise that like doing a curse is is bad luck. And by the way, w- when I say curse, I mostly mean curses or hexes or any of those sort of off- uh, offensive offense type spells. I'm really just going to use the word curse because it's easier for me to not switch. Yeah, we have, to, we have to
0: we have to we have to choose like a like a word to describe the entire hyper classification. But like so so think of like curse, hex. Uh, These are like generally targeted things. They're generally like, and let me tell you the size of the quotes that I am making so big, big. but like dark magic, you know, or like um, uh, antagonistic um, or anything to that effect. Right. So like, there's like a bunch of different words for these things. And in some cultures, that's just a spell. You got a spell for making the apples, uh, uh, apple blossoms turn into apples on the tree. You got a spell for fuck that guy over there. It's just a spell. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, yeah. like we're just using curses like a generic English catch-all.
1: Yeah, exactly. So um, we need, in order to talk about this idea that a curse gives you like bad luck or bad karma, sure. we need to talk about the threefold law. Okay, Or also known as the rule of three or the law of return. And essentially the threefold law says that whatever energy or spell you put out, it comes back to you threefold. So if you're like, I want that guy to trip on the concrete and it works, then you will trip on the concrete three times or you will get three times as worse tripping on the concrete. Sometimes in the pagan circle, this is referred to as just karma, Uh, but it's not technically karma as in the ancient belief structure as we know yeah, it it's
0: it's, <laughs> it's karma the 1990s sitcom euphemism yeah. not karma the actual well, ancient practice
1: it's karma the new age term and not karma the ancient practice I was yeah. actually gonna define karma the ancient practice here and boy let me tell you that's gonna be its own podcast yeah, it's Karma without an H, because karma there H are something. so many different and nuanced explanations and definitions of karma depending on what exactly it is that you believe, uh, that that's a whole episode. so so we'll just
0: have to do a deep dive into karma. Look forward to that. Let us know if that's something that you would want. Yeah, Uh, exactly.
1: Now, the threefold law's origins are an interpretation of the Wiccan reed, which in short is, uh, quote, and it harm none, do what ye will.
0: I mean, that's just saying, like, do whatever you want, don't be an asshole.
1: Do whatever you want, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Now, this is... This was written, the Wiccan read, was written by Doreen Valiente in 1964. She, along with Gerald Gardner, was a notable part of creating the Wiccan religion as well as, or in addition to, today's Sabbaths. Uh, We have a whole series of pub chats talking about Gerald Gardner and Doreen Valiente and the other creators of Wicca. um, And we will eventually get into a deep dive on Wicca itself. That's just a a large piece there. yeah. And And may have to be a
0: multi-part episode.
1: It, it most likely will be.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and so if you're interested in hearing more about those, there's sort of like little snippets in, in a few different pub chats. Um, those will be in the recommended episodes uh, in the description below. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, you know, definitely check those out. It is wild. Um, now, we also see a reference to the threefold law in Gerald Gardner's 1949 novel, which is probably where Doreen Valiente got this idea because she was homies with Gerald Gardner and actually wrote, a huge portion of what we know as the like Wiccan religion, and when I say Wiccan is sort of like a general thing, it has definitely evolved since branched off since buddy. then. Yeah, um, but you know, all as as religions do. Yeah. Um. So this novel was called High Magic's Aid, and it and we basically see that quote in there. Um. And the the Wiccan read was also written about by Raymond Buckland. If you are an old school Llewellyn books fan, you'll definitely recognize that name. Uh, And he wrote about that in the late 1960s. So this idea of doing doing a, a spell like a curse or something that is antagonistic towards another person really only dates back to a fiction novel that some guy wrote who created a religion in the mid 1900s
0: sure yeah yeah i mean it's it's and and in reality like this is just the idea that you shouldn't do harm this isn't necessarily like linearly like like if you do it it's gonna come back three times like that sounds nice right it's like round everything's got like threes and shit so like that works yeah but like really they're saying like like with like without doing harm do whatever you want but it's also kind of not saying don't do harm it's just saying like If you're not causing harm, do what you want. Yeah. It's not really telling you, like, but if you are causing harm, do 10% of what you want. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever.
1: Now, that's not to say that, like, prior to this, you know, there, there wasn't any ideas like that. You know, going back as far as we have, like human history we have this idea of like the golden rule which is treat others like how you want to be treated so the thing about um the thing about paganism is that it's like not really organized so you don't really have like a like a book that tells you these are the rules right so everybody's kind of making up their own rules as they go along so you know uh it's it's kind of wherever it is that you want that to be and people didn't really encourage antagonistic spells or curses prior to this but they also didn't discourage them
0: yeah well i think that i think that the idea of the antagonistic spell the curse having some sort of deleterious reaction is uh, maybe part of an evolution in literature or like yeah. or like in like uh, story than it did in, like, actual practice. Uh, and the reason why I say that is that, like, you have stories, you know, where somebody does an evil curse or does, like, a dark medge or whatever, and, like, it twists their body and, like, gets yeah. them or whatever. But those are also, like, newer stories. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Whereas in an older story, it's like this guy did like a terrible curse and then definitely got married and had kids and retired on the beach. And you're like, <laughs> fucking rad, dog. Yeah, he didn't yeah. piss off a god. And like they were like, you know, he did OK because like he did a curse. But like he, he didn't he made sure to step over that Zeus statue and he didn't like start no shit with that guy or whatever, you know. So I wonder if and like there's obviously, in my opinion, no way to like like definitely make a decision on this but like i feel like this may have to do with like a the western evolution in story for the like bad one to be doing that stuff like the simplification of the like hero v villain yeah into the like wicked witch of the whatever doing wicked witch stuff giving a gal an apple
1: yeah, you know, yeah. turn
0: it into a dragon. Or
1: yeah, whatever. well, we can, you know, I I see a pretty interesting like through line stuff. of like a histor like a historical timeline for this. So, um, like you know, this like the threefold law and the idea of like it'll come back to you threefold, um, comes like comes from a time when these particular witches, these particular magicians, these particular pagans were very inspired by the theosophy movement of the late 1800s. And that was like a time when a lot of ceremonial magic was big. And, uh, you know, that grew out of this like Idea from the late Middle Ages that ceremonial magic was only done by like rich people because they were the only ones that could really afford like robes and books and yeah. stuff and and could read, uh specifically fan, fan, read Latin. Fancy rich <laughs> dudes
0: stealing all of our sweet hedge stuff, bro. That's what that is. Yeah, right? yeah,
1: and, and and like the whole idea. Oh, so are, we,
0: are we even gonna believe right now that like a group of fancy rich dudes? in like whatever England or wherever definitely weren't doing a ceremony because fucking Bob talked shit at the council meeting last week and we're like, guess what guys? Bob's gonna trip on some cobblestone. Let's get this together. Yeah. You know, exactly. like are we really gonna yeah. believe that that he didn't. He never participated in some in some in some curses. Yeah, get yeah. out of here. With also,
1: that. It's, it's a, a really great way to get people not to curse you by saying if you curse someone, yeah, yeah. it's going to be bad back at the caster. I just I keep coming back to that. So, anyways, <clears throat> we're going to talk about some uh, some sort of historical curses uh, that I think are particularly fun. So, our first stop, and all of these uh, references are going to be in the description as well Wait, in, the description in the sources. Below. Um, but these first two uh, or this first one is coming out of an actual book. So this is coming from The Sorcerer's Screed, which is a book of Icelandic magical magic spells. Uh, it was written in 1940 by a man named Joachim Magnus Eggertston. <clears throat> and he claims to have based this off of a this book off of a manuscript that he found dating back to 1094, written by the people of an Icelandic sent- settlement called Kraysuvik. Now, this guy never showed anyone this manuscript, so we have zero proof it existed. We also don't have proof that it didn't exist. It's just unlikely. Um, now, this book primarily focuses on staves or sigils. Uh, and again, you know, we're not gate- gatekeeping. Maybe this guy had this. Maybe he did an Aleister Crowley and like some spirit that lived back then gave him all this information and yeah. he wrote it yeah, down. I mean, he found some tablets. Doesn't it matter to me. Those tablets. Don't worry. I wrote down those tablets. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. You it's know? fine. So um, this book primarily focuses on staves or uh, sigils uh, done in a particularly Icelandic or Nordic fashion and there are not a whole lot of curses in this, uh, but there is a curse. There are definitely some. Yeah, but there is a curse called, most of them are very heavily reliant on the visuals and this is mostly an audio format, so that's not very helpful. Yeah. So there's one that is on page 131 called the Livestock Unaliver and um, this one, you have a specific stave that you are uh, inscribing and basically the whole, this is the whole spell. If you want your enemy to lose their livestock, inscribe this stave on parchment and place in one of his horse's hoof prints, and it will do the job. Hmm. It's that simple. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Put it in some put it in some footprint. Uh it, this is very reminiscent of that horror movie where like that family bought a house and we're like, like everything was starting to get like spooky or whatever. <clears throat> and then there was like they found like uh, like a rune carved, like a box with like a rune carved skull yeah. or whatever, like underneath the house, like directly under the bed of, I don't know, whatever the kid who was possessed or whatever the yeah. heck that movie was about. Like, it's very that energy. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of these are like, so this book, uh, it's a very fun book. I enjoy this book. Um, uh, the Sorcerer's Screed. It has like stuff like that where you're like, oh, that's like interesting and fairly specific. Uh, And then it has the like, the complete like what you gotta do and how you gotta do it for the like wearing a dude's pants to steal wearing his success. Guys wearing a dude's legs. Skin skin. As, <laughs> legs skin. Leg yeah. skin as a pair of L- pants. Gives a whole new meaning to leggings. Yeah. Mm. And like and there's like one where like you have to like catch a like I remember there's one uh and I don't remember what the like effect is for, but you have to like catch a magpie and secure a drop of its bud. It's blood at like, at like the midnight full moon, but you can't like hurt the magpie. So it has to be like, like you can't like kill the magpie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you have to keep it alive. Yeah. Right. But you still need to like acquire a drop of its blood at midnight. And it's very you know? specific too. It's like too. very, It'll very be specific. Like, about it must stuff. come from
1: the left wing of the magpie. Yeah. Like, like
0: what, like what, who's coming up yeah, with this like, bro? like, does this? Yeah. 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 So like, it's kind of <laughs> all over the place, but it's a, it's a pretty interesting book, especially if you're looking for like, um, I, I like it as a jumping off point for like yeah. staves and like spells and stuff in the like Icelandic Norse yeah Sigil yeah. stave sort of space.
1: Yeah, regardless of its historical accuracy, it's a pretty fantastic book. Uh, I mean 1940 and, is pretty historical. Yeah, I mean it, it, it is. The early 19th century. Yeah. Uh, so 20th you know it, it or 20th century. It's 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 a pretty great book, so you could definitely check that out. I um, we have two copies. Yeah, we do. Uh, so moving along, we have the Magical Greek Papyri. And um this one you can find linked below through the internet archive where you can check it out for free. Uh, This is a collection, a huge collection, mind you, of papyri that range from the years 100 to 400 um, AD. Uh, Now, that's not to say that people weren't doing this stuff Prior or after, but this is the time frame these things came from. It is very likely using the clues that we find in this like absolutely huge trevor treasure trove of magical papyri that um, people have been doing this for like a long time. And this is basically like this is the uh, the the you, you go on to Etsy to purchase a spell from yeah, somebody go, like, kind go, like, of like thing. This down is down like through. this is like the 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 commercial. Yeah. The commercialization. Commercially
0: available spells.
1: Exactly. You went to buy the spell. Uh, So, most of the spells here um, that we in the magical Greek papyri uh, that we'd consider as curses are about splitting up a couple. Um, There's a lot of love magic y stuff Eh, happening in there. Um, Or bindings. There's a lot of bindings, a lot of like, let's make these people break up. Um, And then there are others that are more along the lines of a curse, like this one um that I'm going to read to you that's found in PGM 4 or IV 3255 through 74 and this curse is for insomnia. Now, before I say this, there are um there this is in sort of two languages. This has been translated into English and then there is another language. I am not sure what this is saying. So, um if uh, all of a sudden we disappear and you never hear from us again, I definitely opened the book, and I definitely read from the book, and now Uh, it's like evil This is what I'm going to
0: say. Don't open the book. Don't read the book. It's too late now. You know what? If you're going to read the book, read it out of order. Read a little bit. Forget what you just read. Read the second half. Nope, nope. Going forward. Don't summon the demon. Yeah, come on. And I have a collection of demonology books. Don't summon them. Don't Let's read do all of a page. Let's do it, y'all. All right. So here Not goes. Not rock and roll.
1: This is the spell. So uh, take an unbaked
0: brick and I've with never a bronze of an unbaked brick as being a thing, and like obviously well, it's a thing, but yeah. in my mind it's like, oh yeah, like brick dough. Yeah. You d- mean mud dog? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Take. It's a take weird some, way to say mud. Take some brick dough. Sorbot is fine if you can't make it. Um, take an unbaked brick and, with a bronze stylus, draw a draw an ass like a donkey running, and on its face write "ayow ayo," and on its neck in the shape of a little bell E-o-o-e, and on its back "larethmino," and on its breast saboth, and under its hooves. Abrasax, then smear the brick with the blood of typhon which is uh if i remember correctly generally like a like a goat um and a pig with the juice of an onion um you could it's very easily even think of buy juice of an onion yeah it's just, it's uh, you know you just squeeze it yeah. like an it orange it would really be easy to to purchase the blood of these animals at the market in, oh, at this goodness, time as me. well yeah, by the way yeah. um so the spell uh, so the spell on the brick, written with more blood, goes like this: I o Erbeth, I o pakebeth, I o bolchosef, I o bolchosef, Saraum, Kokoloktom, Pathanks the Shaker, I o Erbeth, A pumps lauth labath, saiso piukere, You fortunate one, Tesho Patanak fende, My chithi Rupethe, Aperma, Palops, the shaker of the world. I call upon you, great Typhon. Iel Erbeth, Iel Pachabeth, Iel bolchosef because I am He. And then you say your name. Uh, hear me in this business which I am performing. Lethermino oh Aruzoron, bathau chiamsifis, O great. Typhon, Lerthamino, attend this magical operation, which I am performing because it is our great and honored name that I am saying and writing. Abermenthau formula. So the formula is the thing that you want to have happen. So this would be saying the name of the person uh, and that you want them to be awake. <clears throat> and then underneath the ass, so on the bottom of this brick, you would write: "Give her the heaving of the sea, total wakefulness of Mendes, and give her the punishments."
0: Total wakefulness of Mendes is. That's that's rough. Yeah, yeah. That is a that is a very threatening spell. This is a pretty intense spell. It's pretty great. It's pretty yeah. great. Also, that's like a lot of words to write on this brick, dog. Also, what do you do with this brick? Do you bake this brick now? Unclear. Do you just store this brick? Unclear. I wonder if you got to, like, mud it into somebody's house. Um, There are some other spells
1: that I looked at in this that are generally, like, sort of um, antagonistic spells or defensive spells. And when you're trying to do something against someone, whether you're causing them harm or just making sure that they're not hurting you, you generally take the thing that you're using as like the physical representation of the spell and you bury it, mm. smothering it. Mm. And you're, uh, it's, it also sort of acts as like binding it and keeping it in place and keeping it you know, contained. Uh, and another thing about this is this is a pretty like impressive spell to read aloud. And I feel very magical reading that spell aloud. One of the things about uh, magic in
0: ancient Rome you know and how you, ancient you know how Greece. You, you know how you break this spell? I just thought about this. What? Well, you know, you've just done all this work so that way can't somebody can't fall asleep. And if you want to cure their insomnia, you just bake that brick. Yeah, and you, you just bake f- the brick. You That's just it, bake that brick and you just throw that brick. And that person's going to go to sleep. Guarantee it.
1: Yeah, done. Uh, <laughs> one of the things about doing spells from the magical Greek papyri is... The ancient Greeks and the ancient Romans believe that the more forceful your wording for a spell, the more forcefully you could say something, either like in the tone of your voice or in the words that you're using, uh, the more impressive and the better results that you would get for this yeah, sure. spell.
0: It's way fancier. Yeah. Right? If you're just like mumbling gently a curse... Not that fancy. I mean, but that's but pretty cool. If you're, too. If, you're, if you're if you're if you're standing <clears throat> on like the of the precipice of a cliff, looking down on a city, screaming into a thunderstorm, people are going to be like, "All right, guys, we maybe move out of this <laughs> fucking city." You see, Bob's up there screaming at the thunderstorm again. I don't like it. I don't like what it implies. I'm going to go somewhere else.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's a pretty fun one that I found for insomnia. That's very cool. There were others. Um, there are. There's a bunch of really insomnia interesting stuff is in also that.
0: an incredibly. Fucked up. It's so catty. Dog. It's so it's catty. It's like, oh, I want you to hurt yourself. Like, okay, the 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 Icelandic screed spell is like, you're going to lose one of your cows. Get hungry, dude. And this one's just like, you just, your legs are going to do that tingly leg thing when you're laying down in bed and you're just like not going to go to sleep. And there's going to be like a lump and you're going to have to like refluff your hay or whatever. <laughs> And yeah. you're gonna lay down, and a guard's gonna knock on the door because he thought he heard something around the corner, and you're like, "Oh, I gotta deal with yeah, this again." Yeah, that's psychological. And then you're gonna dude. lay down, and you gotta get up because you gotta go pee all of a sudden. That's or like whatever. you're
1: seeing that person on the regular, and yeah. you're like, "Oh, you look so tired today." Yeah. Huh? Is, everything, is everything all right? And they're like, "Man, I just like haven't slept since like the last quarter moon," and you're like, "Huh? I wonder what could have happened that would cause it's super something unfortunate. like that." Also, I bought huh. you this brick. <laughs>
0: So this is yeah. for you. Maybe it'll help. <laughs> Put it in your house, dog. <clears throat> Get yeah, closer to it.
1: Yeah, so that's super fun. And I, ha- I every time I look at the Magical Greek Papyri, I am just delighted by what I find. Yeah, so sure. look forward to seeing more videos that I'm doing on my social media, reading some of these Magical Greek Papyri texts because they're fantastic uh, and I love them so much. Um <laughs> so next stop we're going backwards in time again this time we are going to talk about the excretion texts these are ancient egyptian texts that are written on clay uh, stone or on figurines and these date from like 2600 bce to about 1070 bce so these are like thousands of years old and um You know, this is sort of like the, some of the, like these, the oldest of these, like 2600 BCE is kind of like some of the oldest timeframes that we really have for a lot of the like information about magical stuff. Like some of the oldest deities that we've talked about come from as far back as this, like this is very, very old, so. The text on these is typically written in red or black ink on a figurine or on a clay pot. The color doesn't particularly have a symbolism as far as I can tell here. Although in some cases it may have, Uh, it's more along the lines of these were easy inks to get. So, you know, and they were typically available to just about everybody. Uh, Now, normally what you would do with these is the curse is written on the figurine or the pot, and then the figurine or pot would be bound like tied up with rope, uh, then smashed, then stomped, then stabbed, then cut, then spat on, then locked in a box, then urinated on, then burned, and then buried.
0: That is very dramatic.
1: Now, not all of the steps would happen to all of (laughs) these things, but it's clear that most objects that we have found incorporate multiple steps, and some of them multiple times, like stab it four times with a spear and then stomp on it with your left foot once. You know, that sort of a a thing. So we can definitely sort of see that in some of these. Um, And there's not a lot in the way of inscriptions because these are um, very old, uh, but it's also very difficult to get the information about these because they are (laughs) in such poor condition thanks to the manner in which they were done. Um, but this is another one where we see that like the object that we are doing, that we are basically putting this spell on has been uh, typically buried. Mm-hmm. You know, so all of these steps happen and then it's buried or it's smothered. And sometimes underneath uh, foundations, uh, these, these sort of things are found. And same thing with the Greeks and the Romans. It's very, it's very possible that they got the idea from the Egyptians with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to find one inscription that I thought was particularly fun. And some of it is uh, is is missing, so I'm just going to go with what we have. And one spell tells the caster to do this to a figurine specifically. So spit on him four times, trample on him with the left foot, smite him with a spear, slaughter him with a knife, place him on the fire, and then spit on him on the fire many times.
0: That's so dramatic.
1: You're getting it really out
0: of your system there. Yeah. Yeah, love it. Yeah, they're like, you know what? Uh, join a gym. Get a join a boxing gym. Throw some punches at a punching bag. You know, work work that out. You got to work that out, bro. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, so those ones are pretty fun.
1: Now, this sort of this sort of um, takes us in a slightly different direction now because we're still going to talk about curses. We're still going to talk about old timey stuff. And we're still going to talk about Egyptians, but I want to talk about the curse of the pharaohs. Now, the curse of the pharaohs is uh, is this idea that there is a curse cast on those who disturb a mummy's tomb. We see this in a ton of different movies.
0: Like I don't almost to... <laughs> all mummy movies.
1: Yeah, like almost every mummy movie. Yeah, if you got a, if you got a
0: movie and there's going to be mummies in it, or you're going to like show the pyramids more than twice, <clears throat> unless it's a Transformers movie. Mummies curse. Or there's aliens. <laughs> yeah, or there's yeah. aliens. Well, sometimes still mummy's curse, but then come sometimes, to find out that yeah, curse is Sometimes aliens. both,
1: yeah. So um, I want to talk about this because this is actually a pretty common way that most people outside of a magical sphere think about curses specifically. Mm. Um, now, the curse of the pharaohs is supposed to cause accidents, illness, and sometimes even death. And there are examples of curses that were placed on tombs. Uh, but these are actually very rare because... We think at the time that these um, f- these people were buried, um, it would have been unthinkable to just open up a tomb, much less desecrate or rob it.
0: Yeah. Now right. there are think, ones think out of there. It, think of it like, think of it like, um, think of it like, how often do you see a grave that has been caged over? Yeah. Not very often. But there was like a hot minute where that was like very popular in Eastern Europe because they were like, listen. <clears throat> We think vampires. So we're just going to cage every grave. We're going to like stake everybody. We're just going to be, you know what? We're going to be extra careful just in case vampires, right? And now like, you don't really got to worry about that, right? Yeah. But like, I'll tell you what, those countries, the people who live near those cemeteries, they're going to be real happy when the zombie apocalypse comes, like Romero style or whatever. And they're coming out of the ground. And they're just like stuck. Yeah. And they're like, (laughs) oh, they just scratch (laughs) out a cage. And that guy's like, (laughs) thanks, (laughs) grandpa. K-jump. That's the solution. Yeah, you know what right? I mean? Exactly. So, like, again, this is one of those, like, back then it would have been like bonkers to think of somebody like kicking the door into the Pharaoh's tomb is a incredibly bold strategy, Cotton. Yeah. So, like, obviously you don't need to worry about that kind of stuff. Whereas nowadays, you know. England were declared. So yeah,
1: yeah. Now the what the places where we do see curses on uh, placed on tombs, like people to come in and desecrate or change things or whatever, um, they are they appear to be mostly directed at. Uh, political rivals it was not uncommon for um the politics of a previous dynasty um, to be erased by its successor yeah so that is something that we do see but um we do have limited information with that but the the idea that all mummies are cursed is both true and also we don't know because this is all that we this is all that we know of <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. we weren't physically there. Yeah. Um. So it's you know certainly very possible that the idea behind putting intention into the embalming of a well, I mean we know, the, we know the curses
0: were like or, or we know that the mummies were like magicked up, bro. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You, you, you didn't take so, it to like Bob's mummification emporium, right? Yeah. You had like a bunch of priests and there was like a yeah yeah it was a whole bloody to do, you know. So like it was a deal.
1: Yeah. Now, the most famous of these curses is associated with Tutankhamun's tomb. Um, And and, um, uh, Howard Carter discovered and opened Tutankhamun's tomb in 1922. Um, And there's a whole bunch of stuff about Tutankhamen's uh, curse, which is really super fascinating. I want to talk about a little bit of it here. Uh, So... After it was opened, Egyptologist James Henry Breasted also worked on the tomb. And when he was returning home one day, he heard a faint, almost human cry and discovered that his canary was eaten by a cobra, a cobra being the symbol of the Egyptian monarchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that the snake had essentially broken into his house and the cage just to eat his bird.
0: Or... Was that bird being a yappy dumb bird, and that snake was like, "There's food in there," or was the snake already You'll in never there? Know. We don't know.
1: After that, unknown mysteries. Lord carnaveron who financed the, exp- the expedition <clears throat> to open Tutankhamun's tomb, accidentally cut a mosquito bite on his face while he was shaving. He didn't even realize there was a mosquito bite there, mm-hmm. and the cut bite became infected, and he got blood poisoning and died as a result.
0: Yeah. Well, that's actually not uncommon. Exactly. Be careful when you're shaming.
1: Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Yes, the creative Sherlock Holmes.
0: That Conan Doyle. That guy
1: uh, was a part of the spiritualist movement, which is sort of happened in tandem with a theosophist movement, which was like sort of, at at it's peak during this time frame as well. Um he suggested that Carnarvon's death was caused by elementals created by Tutankhamun's priests to guard the royal tomb. He was dead serious by the way when he said this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sir Bruce Ingram was given a mummified hand that came out of this tomb. I don't think it was from Tutankhamun himself, but a mummified hand Just with like a bracelet you know. that read "Curse be he who moves my body, to him shall come fire, water, and pestilence." Soon after Bruce Sir Bruce Ingram's house burned down and there was a flood after it was rebuilt. So, technically 58 Uh, of the 58 people who visited the tomb only eight died within a dozen years so this is one of those situations where you can read into it and say this is definitely a curse manifesting itself but you can also say no tis coincidence that's just what
0: snakes do and lord 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 uh uh Carnaveron should have just cleaned his bloody razor better and like paid attention when he was shaving and Bruce Ingram one, sir, be more safe with candles. We've talked about this. <laughs> yeah. And secondly, maybe pay attention when you're building your house, dog, A little too close to the river. You knew this area was, had, had yeah. floodplains. Yeah. So like maybe sus, but also maybe three dumb boys. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying?
1: So if you're interested in that, there's a lot of really interesting information about well, there, the there's curse there's so of the like, too. Yeah. And the other really fun one that I almost put in here was the Curse of the Hope Diamond, um, which is which is another, like, historical, big, tiny curse. Like, curse, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so I'm not talking about that here today. We'll probably talk about that another time, because I read that, and I was, like, torn apart by dogs, you say. <laughs> <laughs>
0: To shreds, you say? <laughs> yeah, to shreds. Mm, yeah. Nice, nice.
1: <laughs> so that's really kind of the idea of what curses look like in, like, ye oldy ancient times.
0: Right. Well, yeah. And it makes for a good story. And you got to think at the height of, like, of, like, we're doing imperialism tomb robbing. Yeah. Um, like... Uh, that was also the height of the like. That's where you got a lot of those like books and those stories yeah. from. So you have to think like most people's interactions with the idea of curses is like, uh, uh like a like a mummy movie or book and like uh, adventures, uh, some adventure English adventure dude or Australian yeah. adventure dude or whatever, like book or like. Uh, some book about like a hoodoo thing happening. Like if you're in America, it would have been like a book about a hoodoo yeah, thing or voodoo, or or something voodoo like thing that, yeah. or whatever. So like a lot of our curse stories are in general, like you done did a bad curses. Yeah, Curse you, curse your family, curse your horse. Like that kind of energy. Yeah. And it's not until later that you think that you start seeing stories where it's like this person flew too close to the sun and, with a curse and it came back and it got them. And now look at them. They look like a monster. Whatever yeah. the heck. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah, totally. Totally. So
1: next we need to talk about black magic or uh, low magic.
0: Um, you know, I have never heard the term low magic refer to black magic.
1: Um, They are not necessarily interchangeable. Synonymous. Yeah, they're not necessarily synonymous, but they are very much linked together. Um, and curses are often called black magic. They can also be called low magic. Uh, so in 1456, Johannes Hartlieb, a Bavarian physician, decided that black magic included divination and demonic magic. He was okay with most herb-based magic because that was kind of medicine, right, back then. Yeah. And he started the- a Bavarian the...
0: physician. He did herb magic, bro.
1: Yeah. And yeah. he started the idea that this division of magic is based on the intent of magic.
0: Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, and if you say demonic magic, of course he's going to say divination magic, right? Because like 1456 Bavarian physician, he's probably doing church stuff. Yeah. Right? The Bible says uh, don't suffer no- um, don't suffer no diviners to live. The, it's a mistranslation when you see it say that it's, or like the way that I've always heard this talked about, is that the like, like suffer no witches or whatever yeah. to live is like actually a mistranslation. It's specifically no like seers, no diviners. Yeah. Like nobody see in the future. Those guys can't do it. Like if you look at the oldest texts. Yeah. Like those those guys are bad guys. So of course it's going to be like, what are you doing the thing that like the Bible single-handedly calls out yeah. or demon stuff? Those seem like bad boy things, so yeah, black magic.
1: Exactly, you know. Exactly. Yeah,
0: those seem shadowy. <clears throat> well, yeah. So of course.
1: So with him being sort of the grandfather of this idea and sort of the coining of the phrase of black magic, um, the acceptability of herb and folk magic things because it's not always herb based, but sometimes you know sometimes it's a little more. Magicky and a little less medicine-y. Um, this continued on through most of the Middle Ages, and most of this type of magic was performed by village healers, and really sort of sat on the line between magic and medicine, or even magic and psychology. Um, and it was a thing where you needed to have village healers. You couldn't just have everybody come into the city to be healed. So, you know, you, you couldn't go too far. You know, thinking of this from like a Middle you know, middle ages perspective, you couldn't go too far with branding everything to be black magic because then you would have a bunch of people dying from simple illnesses well, that could be treated locally and they'd either have to come into town, which means that those farms are not or those, you know, whatever those, whatever job those people that are doing thing. The rural that rural community is doing, they're gonna have to put that on hold. And a lot of these um a lot of these physicians were sort of they had uh, wealthy patrons, so landowners and yeah. and royals and um, you know like members of the court, and they make their money through taxes. So you know you can't you can't outlaw all of the doctors. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, and I mean, you have to think, right? Like, from a purely practical standpoint, if you're like, like, all herbalism is evil, then like, yeah, sure, your population's diminishing. But also, if like, the sweet old lady in the cottage at the top of the hill is giving out herbs that make my tummy doesn't hurt, and you're saying, oh, your stomach hurts... suffer, dog. Just wait it out or whatever. Yeah, like, if your stomach hurts, uh, who's, then God wanted it to hurt. That's whose team not... do you think I'm going to be on? The asshole who's telling me to suffer or the lady who's like, this is just chamomile tea, dog. This isn't even magic. This is just regular ass tea. Yeah. You know? So like... For obvious reasons, as well as like the line between that stuff is like pretty blurry, right? Nowadays, we think of it a little bit more like science magic as it's like yeah. hard line. It isn't, by the way. Uh, but we like think about it as that hard line or whatever. But like back in the day, like, yeah, sure. Maybe herbalism was magic or whatever the heck. But like you also had like. Court doctors being like, I don't know, this guy's airs are wrong. Yeah, his humors are
1: out yeah. of balance. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. A thing that you that a doctor would him, s- would commonly a... say to you all the way up and through the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, give
0: give him a tincture of this poison. I don't know, his head feels a little weird. So his his skull seems a little like weird. So I guess we're gonna have to do a thing yeah. about it, like whatever nonsense that was. Yeah. So yeah. like, yeah, you
1: know. Now, of course, this idea dramatically changed in certain areas and in certain times, like the witch hunts, the inquisitions, and the demonization of any type of magic and witchcraft became more prevalent. We're not going to be talking about witch hunts, inquisition, all that stuff here. That is a huge meaty episode that just we can't do that justice by talking about that here. So yeah. Asterisk be, put a pin in that baby. That'll be a different episode. Because we're coming back to it. Yeah. Uh so I'm gonna switch to talking about high and low magic. This is a term that I see thrown about on social media a lot, a lot. Um, like high magic being, you know, more morally good to do or easier to do and low magic being like ew low magic or like low magic becoming more synonymous with the idea of curses or hexes or black magic things that you shouldn't be doing you know Mm -hmm. take the high road kind of thing and this one is a lot like the threefold law. So the idea of high and low magic is the newest of the things that we're going to be talking about today, uh, and that was actually first written down in two thousand and nine. This
0: century. Yeah, yeah. By a well, guy. Well, this na- this interpretation of high and low magic.
1: Yes, by a guy named Robert M. Place, and he believed that white or high magic, was used to get closer to or to commune with spiritual beings. Um, Examples that he used of this are, Strikingly insensitive and a little elitist and racist, uh, in my interpretation. You can read the rest
0: of this because I have a whole thing about how racist uh, this immediately <laughs> sounds. Because he
1: talked about this being like shamanism, uh, and then uh, black or low magic was done to bring some sort of benefit to the caster. Yeah. And when he talks about this, he primarily talks about in uh, less about indigenous practices similar to shamanism and more like indigenous practices that didn't involve a psychoactive substance
0: white people so okay so this is like this is a thing that's been going on for a while europe's been pretty bangers about being racist af um uh like there's a lot of racism in a lot of pagan practice. Yes. like we talked about this in our Odinism podcast for like obvious reasons. A lot. Um, a in our lot. toxic
1: internet, toxic podcast. internet witchcraft podcast, of course,
0: of course, right. Um, we now live in an incredibly sensitized society to these things. But while we are sensitized to these things, we are also Sort of blinded by that like sensitivity, um, from some obvious shit that is just racism, right? Uh, and like this kind of talking point, like, you can believe that like high magic is like, uh, is like white magic and low magic is black magic and like not be racist, but uh it's going to it feels racist right it feels very like the the uh, white is right sort of energy that you get from those sort of people all the time um i in general i think the idea of high magic so we're just going to like transition to my bold opinion here um because like if, like you can believe whatever you want and i'm not going to like judge you or whatever cuz like that's you it's your practice um So who cares? Uh, But the idea of high magic and low magic intrinsically is classist and is intrinsically oppressive, in my opinion. Now, to that end, I think of, if I were to define those two parameters, I would think of high magic as like a bunch of dudes in a stuffy room doing like 500 step rituals and such, and low magic, like three dudes in a field with some candles, doing what needs to get did. You know what I'm saying? So to that end, like, I don't necessarily believe that it has to be a classed discussion, but I think that it has historical classification in it. Just like considering white magic, good magic, and black magic, bad magic, I think intrinsically has to do with, and this may purely just be because as an American we're I feel like we're even more like sensitized to these things. Um, and, and, like, I feel like the idea now or to you may not have a racial implication. And I think that that's perfectly reasonable, but I think that in general, it not only has pretty implied racial implications to it between like white magic being good and black magic being bad this is like a whole thing in literature and discussions and like culture across american history whereupon like white is good and clean and pure and anything brown or black is negative or bad or dirty or cheap or something like that um this is probably why all of these ugly ass house remodels are just like white everything. It's the least inert it's the least exciting way you can possibly make your house look. Again, it's your house and your decision, that's on you. Like I'm not hating, but I think it's ugly. Um, so deal with that, I guess, whatever. Um, but uh at the same time, like I get the like implied lightness and darkness and like balancing act of it all and like that sort of a thing. So, I'm not like I'm not like I think that if you were to have this conversation, removing or trying to censor a conversation using things like white magic or black magic or things like high magic and low magic uh, is impossible and doesn't actually solve any problems and is a waste of time. Uh, I think that like trying to steer us away from these things doesn't solve the problem. It just hides the racism um, of it. Whereas I think that you can use these, like, like I would never think to classify something between high and low magic. Cause magic's just magic to me. Like it doesn't matter whether you're doing like a big ritual or you're like, you know, doing a little thing over your food or whatever. Uh and the whole white magic black magic thing also has some pretty churchy implications. Yeah. Right? Because like obviously, like black magic is bad and if you're doing magic, you're doing black magic, you know. It's very like 1970s satanic panic bullshit. Um but uh like to that end and I, I I've not read this like, like whatever Robert M. Place wrote and he might not be trying to imply some racist shit. Uh, he might be. I don't know. I've never read his book. Um, and honestly, like, that's not interesting to me. Classifying shit like that is kind of whatever. But um, I think that there is a place where we should be having a conversation about these things. And like, you know, I I, I think we're kind of having that conversation in the like light and like light, bright, like, oh, smiles, like good vibes, only. good vibes only, yeah, people and like people who do curses and people who are against curses. And I like, I think that the specificity of conversation is more important than like, I do white magic, attack me, or like, I do black magic, attack me, or whatever. That, that like, just like raw antagonism, uh, is sort of like, I don't know, maybe not conducive to the betterment of our understanding of magical practices in history, um, like throughout time and across the world. Uh, so yeah, also, uh, I just, I just thought about this, but this dude in 1456 invented a turn that is like infinitely used in rock and roll music. Yeah. This guy's like, I don't know about this demonic black magic. And then like a thousand years later, somebody was like, what if we put guitars to that? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so yeah, I just, I yeah. thought about, I thought about this Bavarian physician, like, like, if you were to think about this from, like, like uh, like a Disney movie afterlife kind yeah. of a betrayal, where he's, like, looking down or, like, looking into a portal or whatever from the afterlife, and he's just like, why are all these weirdly dressed people using the term black magic? What do they do with their hands over there? Why is that guy's hair so big? It's like a lot of leather. That's a bold strategy. What's Why happening right now? Why is he right
1: circling now? his head like yeah.
0: that? Yeah, what's happening right now? And they're like, oh, you have the audio turned off on this portal. Here, let's turn that on. And they turn the audio on, and he's like, hmm. I
1: was right. <laughs> I think I was right about this, guys. I think there might be something evil going
0: on here. Beethoven's head banging in the back or whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, so, yeah, those were just, I had like, like, I don't know, Robert, in place or this book. So, like, I don't know. But I feel like in general, these terms are often directly correlated to classism and racism and, like, Christian evangelical puritanicalism. Uh, And, like, that's a thing that we need to continually remind ourselves about, that we're surrounded by crazy people who want to make our lives more difficult for what seems like no bloody reason.
1: Yeah, yeah, so, I, I agree with all the things that you have so, said.
0: Soapbox set aside, guys. Yeah. Thank you for coming to my TED I talk. think
1: that in a time where, uh, I think that in the current time that we live in, we have so much, uh, so many things trying to fracture people apart. Yeah. And I think that focusing on the, well, you can't, do this or this isn't that kind of magic or we don't do that kind of magic here really sets um anyone who is part of the pagan sphere pagan being essentially just sort of the Uh, the the catch-all internet term term for all of us here yeah you know you know i think that it really only serves to fracture people and one of the one of the one of the side effects one of the reasons perhaps one of the purposes for the idea of fracturing um a community like like ours like the pagan community is so that we have less power yeah it's it's easier to it's easier to control a group of people that are fighting amongst themselves oh, because it's way if easier they to get Im- together then they rise up yeah it's easier to um, oppress your citizens
0: when they're distracted by they individual more hate power yeah. so
1: uh, I am pretty against the idea of dividing magical use into specific high and low, black and white, good and bad like that. I yeah. do not like that I- because magic is uh, sort of a needs based thing. And I think that the intent is. Is whatever it is that you want it to be, and trying to classify that stuff as as any of these things does definitely open us up to and you know all of the negative racial and societal class issues that you had mentioned. Yeah. yeah. But like, it also only serves to further fracture this community in a time where, as Americans, we very definitely need to group up and even beyond americans there are a lot of there are a lot of groups throughout the world who wish us harm just because of our beliefs
0: yeah yeah well you know they don't like people who are different that's how being different works and people are simple um and, like, again, like, I don't have issues with the idea of black or white. I, I think that it's primarily a function of, like, linguistic history, right? Like, um, I, I will have to do a TikTok about this. So, in Magic the Gathering, they have, there are, like, five specific colors of magic linked to the land. And there's, like, a whole bloody thing about it. it it's a rather inventive way of looking at it. Right. Yeah. In a system like that, a, it's like a broken down really elemental magic. It. Well, and it's like light magic and dark magic. So like, I really wouldn't use black magic and white magic. Cause I think that those have just like, I think those have deeper implications. Yeah. But like light magic would obviously be magic in the light for a lack of better words with lightness. Right. And dark magic is like things like shadow work or like magic in and around cemeteries and corpses and stuff. And I don't think that's negative, but I think that terms like dark magic and black magic have been used in the like greater social story, like, uh, um, narrative for long enough that they have, uh, evil in quotes or bad guy in quotes connotations right to wit i don't think that they should have those connotations but they do which means that if you're saying something 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 black magic something something you also need to define right or like something something dark magic define right uh just so that way you know and i mean to that end if somebody's uneducated shadow work would sound evil and bad and it very obviously is not, yeah. if you know what shadow work is. You know what I'm saying? So it's like that kind of a thing. But um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting conversation, I feel like, for another time, because I think that we're probably circling here. Yeah, yeah. You know? So
1: let's switch gears a little bit. So let's talk about how we work with curses. So do you do curses? Have you done curses?
0: Uh, not really. Without
1: Without perjuring yourself? Without
0: perjuring (laughs) myself? Uh, No, not really. But also, I'm not really... uh, I don't know, man. Like, I'm... With time, I am becoming an increasingly less structured practitioner of magic. Right? And to that end, like, a curse is generally such a structure there's such a shape to it and i'm i'm much more i mean i feel like were i in the magical place that i am now but at a younger uh less stable or mature <laughs> mature sounds like i'm way less crazy um <laughs> less mature we place can't use in that my word, life then. <laughs> um then like Maybe I would have, but then I was more interested in, like, just, just, like, gathering knowledge, right? I was just, like, goblin piling data to be processed later, and now that I have the, like, maturity and time, and I I don't have the time, uh, but, like... (laughs) meditation is like you know the time that i i use for that where i'm able to like unpack and explore that and find connections between those pieces of data i now find the idea of curses to be like i don't know like just a little unnecessary like are there people who probably deserve that yes 100% uh, but for me, and you know, when, when we were talking about this earlier in the week, you were talking about something about curses. I, I think we saw something on like a movie or a TV show or something. And they were talking about curses and you asked like, oh, something about curses. And I was like, not really. I mean, I feel like the closest thing I have, like in my practice to, uh, to like curse logic is the idea that like, I, I believe that we, are beholden to the idea that we need to protect and defend ourselves individually on a one-on-one basis with regard to people trying to oppress or put us down or anything like that. And, and I, don't, I don't mean like with weapons or fists or something, but I mean like is your boss treating you like shit? I understand that there is a business-appropriate way to handle this, but your boss has crossed a line if they are putting you down which means that you need to snap that shit back immediately. Like, like, just send an email to your boss telling them the way that they handled that was unacceptable. Carbon copy human resources and the CEO of the company. Like, immediate blast. Destroy these people. It does not matter, right? And the reason why is because they have to understand that that shit's not okay. Right. We live in a place and in a time where we need to work together to better humanity because we are constantly on the precipice of shit getting out of hand with morons. Right. So we also need to have the capacity to be like, hey, fuck you, dog. And to me, like, that's my curse. And that's what I told you earlier this week, too was like the closest thing I have to a curse is like if somebody's saying some incredibly unnecessary hateful shit and I wasn't just like an asshole so I deserve it or something like that I'm just gonna I'm just gonna point at you and be like fuck you dog and that's it that's the curse fuck you you now understand where I'm coming from I understand that you're a piece of shit let's move on Like like that's it You know what I mean? But I'm not really, like, a grudge-holdy person. That's not, like, my vibe. Um, And I'm not, like, I would never ever in a million years consider myself, like, light and life and boo or any of that stuff. (laughs) Uh, But also, like, okay, so this, like, like, (laughs) small dick energy monster decided to be an asshole to me because they, like, didn't understand a situation or are too smooth to, like, grasp that. I mean, this isn't, like, I work for myself now, so it's not me. But, like, you know, a boss who doesn't want to, like, listen or can't grasp that I'm doing the job you asked me to do and you just, like, don't understand how this job works even though you're my boss. Or, like, a, it, like if a situation like that were to occur, you know... I. It, I would be more satisfied with the like raw unadulterated knowledge that this guy's a moron and I'm doing the right thing. So I don't need to like curse this guy cause he's being an ass. Like I'm going to call, I'm going to tell him that he's being an ass, but like, I'm not going to curse him for it or nothing. So I don't really have that kind of like animosity in my life anymore. And I don't really have that kind of like grudge or whatever the heck. Um, so I don't really do that stuff, but it's not for a lack of willingness. I mean, I guess if you felt particularly randy, you could be enough of an ass to push me to the place where I would have to curse you. And I would do such a ritual (laughs) to curse you. Oh my goodness. The thunder that would be screamed at (laughs) for this ritual, my guy. Uh, But like, I mean, I guess I, you know, I could probably do that to that deer that keeps eating my fucking plants in the garden. Uh, But I mostly just go outside and yell at him, which is, I feel like my solution to most things. Is that like is, if somebody's being an ass or interfering with my stuff mostly if it's deer you're uh, very
1: much an old man yelling I just, at just, I just
0: yeah old men yelling at clouds well yeah. my clouds are deer because they eat my fucking garden for so, now for now they might for be now. clouds too
1: they might be clouds yeah. too you definitely it was, it, you know what
0: it was a little clouds during the rainy season at the beginning was, of the year <laughs> like, there was a bunch of flooding and I was just like you shut up with this water shit So, like, yeah, I'm much more of a, like, just shake my fist at the clouds, (laughs) yelly old man than I am, like, do a big ritual to do a curse. But at the same time, like, I'm not really doing, like, I'm not really doing spells to, like find success it's like meditations and mantras and stuff i don't know man i have like a very different relationship with the structure of magic than things like curses and spells Mm. and i haven't figured out like exactly what that is and like one day i will and i'll probably explain it to you guys and it'll make no sense as most things i say i imagine do or don't but um yeah that's not really like my vibe Mm. dog that makes it sound like i'm a hippie but (laughs) i'm not kind of
1: only kind of. Only kind. Of. I mean, yeah. I do
0: live in the woods, so <laughs> yeah. When I'm self-employed and live in the woods, and I'm wearing like a hand and you're actually wearing tie dye right now. Yeah, okay. So yeah. and maybe I'm like a little bit of a. Hippie. Yeah, maybe That's you on are. Me. Just I a did bit that of a to hippie.
1: me. Yeah, you did that to yourself for sure.
0: <laughs> but what about you? Do you truck with curses? Are you yes. throwing hexes left, right, and
1: center? Well, maybe not that often, but yes, I I do I do definitely I have sort of always done that when it's needed um and i still sort of do it and there's a lot of different like ways that i've sort of experimented with doing antagonistic spells or curses Mm -hmm. like i've definitely done the poppet thing um you know creating a figurine no creating a figurine i've definitely done that don't worry we have a whole episode on poppets and like figurine magic coming in it. In uh it. for like so that's that's coming. I'm not sure exactly when that's coming, but it is, in fact, coming. So uh you've know, got a whole episode about that. So I've definitely done the the poppet thing. I've definitely done spells with like Vinegar, which is generally associated with, um, sort of curses with, you know, poking nails or pins or needles through things, mm. sewing things up. I've definitely burned things. Um, but I think for me as a magic user, the, the most, the most potent curse that I have really ever done is um something that I've always thought of as called marking <laughs> uh uh but but as I've grown older um it's more along the lines of uh getting what they deserve
0: so um lowercase K Karma
1: Yeah. Yeah. A little bit more immediate. So this one is one that I typically do in what I'd like to call a Roman fashion. So it usually happens when I am the most upset about something. However, that is not to say that I am doing this stuff left, right, and center. Um, So I'm going to tell you what I do, and then I'm going to explain to you sort of how or when I normally do this type of a thing. So normally it's me being very upset at a situation or a person and talking, uh, talking, saying out loud, typically by myself, um, how upset I am and uh, that I want them to get what they deserve. So I am not saying I want this person to whatever. The You're not saying is. I want this
0: guy to trip on a rock. You're being like, this guy was an ass. He's going to get what he deserves. I want
1: him. them to get what they deserve. Yeah. Because the thing is, is I don't, you know, I don't. You I don't, don't, know, wa- what the I don't know what the proportion is yeah. right like and also I don't want to be the person to cause something really bad to happen to another person uh, f- even as even as upset or angry as I may be like at that person at that situation when I have done when I have done a curse I don't wish somebody you know a car accident yeah, you like or anything like like that like whatever. I actually don't wish any of that stuff. Sure. Uh, that's not to say that I could never wish that, but that's just the place that I that I've done. And when I do that, I'm usually calling upon spirits and uh asking them to do my bidding to mark this person so that they get what they deserve.
0: Yeah. So and then just you're just you just, ex- just express you're just get buying them the express pass the the, yeah. the disney parks express pass yeah. so they can cut in line at the at the old karma uh at the old karma ride you know in the park or whatever the heck yeah so exactly that's what you just you just gifting a dude you're like listen mickey that guy over there seems like a real nice guy got him this pass so that we can cut in line and mickey's like i'll deliver this shit to you and then like hands yeah. it to the guy and the guy's like sounds like a great idea cuts in line you know get gets what he's got coming to him or whatever yeah. Yeah, so yeah. that's like barely a curse. That's like...
1: Cuts in line, gets an upset tummy later, can't go on any more rides. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sounds like he's, he got he's what taken, he deserves. He's taken by the Mensis or wh- whatever that saying was.
1: <laughs> the Mendes. The Mendes. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, whatever.
1: The Mendes, I think. Mendes, I, Mendes. I think it's Mendes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's what I normally do. Now, as time has gone on, um, I... I, I generally try to, rather than putting my, because it still expends magical energy. And for what it's worth, I have never noticed um, the threefold law in any work that I have done with that stuff. So if it's happening, I haven't noticed it. Um, so your mileage may vary. Well, uh-huh. but you're <laughs> but-
0: also, you're not, you're not saying like, you're not really doing well you're not actually doing any harm to a person
1: yeah yeah right? i'm not saying because, like, i'm if, not saying that your daughter's going to prick her finger on a spindle on her birthday and, and die or whatever, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. you know i'm not doing any of that stuff so as i as i get older with this sort of thing and i think about the res, the magical energy that i put out i would rather expend my magical energy on things that better me. Um so I would given the choice I would rather than doing a curse doing something to get me into a position where I no longer have to deal with that situation that then caused that 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 co- that would have been a curse anyways. Sure. You know like if I'm upset with someone I want to do a spell to make it so that I don't have to deal with that situation anymore. Sure. Um, sure, And in situations where that's not possible, I have typically tied my success into their karma. So something along the lines of the better I do, the worse they feel. Yeah. The more heinous what they get coming to them is, the more positive something is coming to me, so that I am specifically benefiting from one of these spells, as opposed to just having- Like,
0: just harm. Oops, yeah, oops, just, all harm. yeah, just, just yeah, juice, just oops
1: all harm yeah, or totally, you know totally, whatever totally. it is. Uh so and then I just sort of like kick back and I just like let 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 the magic decide what it's going to do. Totally, totally. And a lot of times when this has happened it's been particularly delicious and juicy yeah. and I enjoy it a lot. Well, f- and this about, sort of developed about... out of a uh, habit out of a thing that I had noticed when I was considerably younger, where I would say something like that and then... Somehow that person's karma was visited on them, uh, and then it was like, oh, I'm speaking it to be true. So I do that a lot more intentionally nowadays. So do I work with curses? Absolutely, uh, in my own specific way, and uh, I'm pretty happy in the practice that I have sort of stumbled upon into with sure, how totally. I work with antagonistic magic.
0: Sure, totally, totally. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I and I I think that like the way that you're putting it, where you. You're basically just like, this person should get the, what's coming to him. Like they, like karma should get them or whatever. I think that's kind of, a, that's sort of like the same basic vibe for like why I don't like specifically do curses. Is it like, it's all going to work out, dog. Like, don't worry. If you're an asshole, we all know. So, good luck with that, homie. You know, like that's, <laughs> that's kind of the way that I look at that. But, um, b- but also, like... Just like if somebody does a thing and like the example that I, that like came to my mind is it's kind of like if you're driving down the freeway and somebody like is like swerving behind you and like cuts you off all hella dangerously or whatever the heck. And then like takes off and then five minutes down the road, you see them pulled over by a squad car and you're like, Oh, that you deserve it, dog. Like it's that kind of energy. Like, did you, make that guy get pulled over or was it like definitely faded that that guy was going to get pulled over because he was driving like a man or
1: is it like a little bit of both you
0: know or is it a little bit of both exactly exactly so yeah i mean yeah i think that some people have a pretty deep connection with curses and i think that some people are like a little bit less uh and like i get both sides of the equation for what it's worth um i don't think that curses are specifically negative and I don't think that curses um I you know, I don't I don't necessarily agree with the idea that like you should never do curses, right? Uh I think that it's kind of like a personal and situational decision. Uh so you know, it's I'm I'm kinda whatever about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: that's that's kind of how I feel about that yeah. as well. I'm
0: pretty I'm pretty whatever. It's interesting for sure. Yeah. You know, and if somebody's got curse based questions and want advice on a curse, like I'm gonna give you deets, dog. You know,
1: you want want to find out some good, good correspondences like I got you, like we actually don't have correspondences for this because it's generally so specific. And there's not like this is an herb that you use for curses. I mean, like there are technically those herbs and
0: I mean, a baked brick is definitely a correspondence. (laughs) Yeah, a baked brick. That's yeah. Hey, you want (laughs) to curse somebody? Bricks. They communicate the point. Quite
1: well. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ask
0: Berkeley in the sixties.
1: <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of like a lot of like uh, herbs and plants. Uh, you know, a lot that that or like stones, like a lot yeah. of that kind of stuff. That's correspondence with like curses or like black magic uh, are uh, generally poisonous. Yeah, they're so... also just
0: crimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're yeah, not going to give you a crime. list. We're not. We're not going to give you correspondences here. for crimes. And a lot of the correspondences around hexes and curses. Are like, oh, you could you you could make a tea with this herb. Yeah, dog, that's just a regular crime. That's not a curse. That's called poisoning. There's <laughs> yeah. already a word for that, my dude. Yeah. Like, thank you, <laughs> no thank you. Yeah, like, you know? I, it's
1: not really a curse if you, like, take a handful of a poisonous plant and, like, shove it into your enemy's mouth and run away. Yeah. Like, that's just a crime. That's yeah. not a curse.
0: In fact, it doesn't have to be a poisonous plant. You take a handful of regular <laughs> plant and you shove it into somebody's <laughs> mouth and you run away. You've committed a crime. <laughs> Yeah, it could it could be a delicious plant. It could be basil or something. Still crime, dog. You're not allowed to put stuff in other people's mouths without permission. Yeah, Um, get get consent. Yeah. So get consent before you.
1: Yeah. And uh, speaking of consent, one interesting thing that I think uh, is not often brought up in this whole curses sort of discourse is something that we talked about in our uh, love magic, which is that some people don't do love magic because of the idea of um, free will and obtaining consent. And um, if that's a, if, if, that is a, um, if that's a belief that you have that you should obtain consent before you do magic on a person uh, or that you should not be altering their sort of thought process about things, I definitely urge you to think about that in relation to curses as well. I'm not saying if you believe that you shouldn't do curses. I'm just saying think about it.
0: Yeah, that, um, is, an, that is an interesting topic. And also, if you can get consent from somebody to curse them, that's that's impressive. Good for you. Yeah. Right. Like I'm proud. I'm proud for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I. Uh,
1: I definitely want to see the link uh, the to nego- that viral the, video. The raw
0: negotiation tactics yeah. of that of that consent form.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm very here for it. Totally. Totally. So this was a curses and hexes. Yeah. We hope that you although, got some interesting things out of this. Although,
0: is your job contract a consent form to be cursed to suffering in your current job? Ooh. Dark thoughts. Ooh, Dark mighty. thoughts with Jonathan. Yay. Yeah. I uh, uh legally
1: have no yeah. legally no
0: comment, no my comment. dude. I work for myself. I don't have a I don't have, a, <laughs> I don't have an employee contract. I'm my own employer. Yeah. Look, curse me. I'm a terrible boss. Right? Always doing work. Well, always, I could be being lazy. Always doing work. Yeah, I could be being lazy. Yeah. Uh so yeah, that's curses and hexes, a little bit of history, a little bit of our insight. Um, what's your opinion on it? That would be the most interesting thing to me. Do you do curses out there? Um, do you like not do curses? Is there like a particular reason why or why not? Uh, And if you do do curses, don't commit, don't admit to crimes in my comment section. Whoever is about ready to type something, never admit to a crime. That's right. Don't do that. Don't
1: admit to crimes here. But you can let me know
0: what kind of curses you do that are non-specific and definitely not Admitting to a crime. Yeah. Uh, Theoretical. Theoretical curses. Let's call them those guys. Um,
1: Yeah, we have to make sure that the uh, FBI agents who are monitoring all of our histories.
0: Yeah. um, I assume they're robots at this point in time. I assume it's FBI robots monitoring us.
1: We have to to make sure that we're not incriminating ourselves. Or everybody's uh, in the
0: FBI and just not us. Yeah. Like uh, the Truman Show or whatever that's called? Boy, that would be a twist. Oh man, oh, that man. would be very upsetting.
1: <laughs> yeah, but definitely I want to I want to hear from from y'all. Like, what are your What's thoughts? What's your opinion? What, what are, are, your are your thoughts opinions? on curses and stuff? Yeah, so comment below on- Did you learn something interesting? Are you going to go and now read from the Book of Magical Papyri?
0: Yeah. Yeah, do you wanna do you wanna shout that stuff into a storm? Because that sounds fun. It's very cool. Uh but yeah, so anywho, uh that was Curses and Hexes. Uh and uh with that, we're uh we're gonna move on to the next part. Next part, uh shout out to our patrons. You guys are the best. So uh Alan, Miranda, Helena, Alexa, somewhere, and Brianna, you guys are awesome. Uh thank you for supporting us. You're you're keeping us doing stuff and doing yep. it better each time we appreciate um, you and what yes. you do yep. 100%, yeah 100 100
1: and uh, we appreciate your involvement in our discord community as yep. well
0: yep fun conversations over there um sometimes weird conversations but they're sometimes always fun. weird like what was weird.
1: dinosaur would zeus be
0: that's fair that's fair think about that yeah uh, comment below. What, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, but uh, so, yeah. And obviously, if you want to join our Patreon and support us and be a member of our Discord and do all that kind of stuff, or uh, even uh, be a member of our Patreon community where within we do monthly hangouts where we all chit chat and just like... And you get to hear about all the stuff that's going on in our life. Yep. All the it's behind the scenes <laughs> stuff, what's going on in our life stuff, and weird magical stories that we've just like picked up over... The over the last month, stuff that we've watched, yeah, shows that we've watched or been like, like future plans, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, you can always join our Patreon and and uh, do all that stuff or what have you. Um, so yeah, and then again, last but not least, I want to remind everybody who's still listening because it's been a while, um, about. The live so yeah. December 3rd at 3 p.m., which is Sunday, which is a Sunday, the upcoming Sunday if you're listening to this when it first comes out. Uh, that is going to be our three year anniversary live event on YouTube. Our YouTube channel is called Nerd Jive. Um, and there'll be like links in our social media about this, so like check that out or what have you. Uh, and come hang out with us, ask us questions. Uh, we could talk about pretty much anything. We're basically going to like go live and then just like have a bunch of snacks and cocktails and hang out for as long as I feel like I want (laughs) to out for
1: yeah it'll probably be a long time not listening to this when it first comes out and you happen to have missed that live stream uh we generally do our anniversary live streams on the first weekend of december Mm -hmm. on sunday afternoon or evening so if you're listening to this maybe a little bit later pencil that in on your calendar for the next year and the live stream
0: will be uploaded to the youtube channel so you can like go back and watch it absolutely if you're so interested as well as if uh, you know, we and we, and we mentioned this for every live stream. If uh, people want more live goodness, we can always do more live goodness. This is like an yeah. on and off thing that we've talked about doing more lives and streaming and such like that for a while. Uh, just because we do so many weird and witchy things on this uh, little bit of property that we have. Yep. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned for all of that stuff. And thank you for coming along on this cursed journey with us. <laughs> uh so uh either way, I have been John Norgrove. This has been Julie Norgrove, this has been the Horn and
1: Cauldron podcast, podcast. and
0: we will catch you guys next time. Stay magical,
1: folks. Yeah, and don't forget, breathe in self-confidence and breathe out self-doubt.